What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. We get selfish. We're like, okay, that's happening to them. I'm just going to stay away from it so it doesn't happen to me. Welcome to the I Did Not Sign Up For This podcast, a weekly show dedicated to highlighting the incredible stories of everyday people. No topic is off limits. Join me as we explore the lives and experiences of guests through thought-provoking, unscripted conversations. I'm your host, Carling, a Canadian, queer-identifying, 30-something-year-old, providing a platform for the stories that need to be heard. Good morning, Lindsay Austin. Good morning, Carling. Lindsay, it is like a dream having you in my life. Oh. I Like, we met through, not even met, we've never met in person, but... My partner used to work with you, mm-hmm. and then we've just socially, social network followed each other for, I feel like, almost three years. But in the last month, we have recorded together three times. Mm-hmm. Three times plus like just magnetizing. a face-to-face. I love it so I much. It. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. And ditto. Like, I could not be more grateful. And I'm, like, been creeping you for all this time and finally getting to have you in, in my actual bubble here is I, we might go on a double a date we are gonna go we're on gonna a go date. we're gonna go on a double date with your husband and my partner yes and that is also a dream yeah and just be prepared i'm gonna hug you so hard like, I, <laughs> oh my god just... i'm never gonna let go <laughs> no yeah i'm a big hugger so watch out i will so have that. to just say stop hugging me if you need it i don't stop. know if i will i should probably unpack this in therapy i say this a lot but like i don't <laughs> i'm not good at initiating hugs it's probably like a fear of rejection but I love getting hugged. Like when somebody's nice. a hugger, I'm like, this is great. So I will love it. Yeah, please do unpack that. And I will initiate hugs with everyone. So Good. we're the perfect pairing. I love this. Okay, <laughs> let's, for anybody listening who's like, what's going on? I've just stepped into an awkward friendship <laughs> romance. <laughs> Can you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do. And I want to find out where your story starts. Absolutely. And I will say before I say that, we need more platonic love. Like, yeah, we need more platonic love in our society. We can love each other without being romantic with each other. Okay, so who am I and where did I come from and how did I get here? Woof, the big question. So my name is Lindsay Austin. I am a certified executive coach. I'm a certified pregnancy and infant loss coach. I am a 500-hour registered yoga teacher. I am a mom, I'm a wife, I'm an entrepreneur, business owner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that yeah. is a little bit of a <laughs> what I do. I like to say that who I really am is a compilation of where I've come from and what lights me up. And I would describe that as I'm the type of person who really sees people and really honors their unique contributions in the world in a way that is really honoring to them. I'm a lover. Like, I'm obsessed with people's unique beauty and what they do to change their world, change their communities, change themselves. And that is essentially what led me to this work, is that obsession to really see and love on people regardless of their circumstances. I think my superpower is being able to come into any situation with unconditional love 
and unconditional support and unconditional hope for what is possible. But it's not in a way that is like toxically positive. It's not in a way that is, oh, love and light, because that's very annoying. It's very annoying to have that toxic positivity driving most of the work that I've just described. So a lot of things that a lot of people out there who do the work that I do are in the that toxic positivity realm where it's like, just be okay and you're lucky to be alive. And and maybe those things are true in some cases. I'm more of a realist, but I still come at my work and my relationships and my life with unbridled hope that we can make it everything that's possible. So that's, that's kind so of my beautiful. Oh. You're so beautiful. Um, that's a bit that's a bit about me. That's a bit about just who I am in this world. And I'll tell you a little bit of my story. So I am from Calgary, Alberta, born and raised. And so is my husband too, which is just hilarious. That that's we, rare. Um, yeah. Most people are coming here. Most people are transient. Him and I were both planted here and we both are still growing here. I started my career in oil and gas, as we do here in Calgary. I literally graduated high school and was like, I just need a job. I don't want to go to school right now. I'm not ready for that. I need a break. I went into oil and gas. I started at the same company that your partner and I worked at. Yeah. Started there when I was 17. And I literally walked in there and was like, I hear you need a receptionist. And they plunked me down the next day. And that was that. So wow. I went from reception and I also worked in other areas of the organization. Just administratively, those are the only skills I had at the time. It was super fulfilling and wonderful. I loved that year that I worked full-time in a real job with real adults and I gained so much confidence in my abilities to support others to get a job done I only ever worked retail before that and I loved working retail don't get me wrong I loved that job and I felt like there was something more for me so I loved it I loved being the office admin in our tiny little office at that time we were like 25 people so now that company is like over a thousand people anywho so that was my start I did decide, okay, I'm going to go back to school and I love business. So I want to do a business degree or diploma. I ended up doing a diploma in the end because who I was working with at the time was going on mat leave and I was just graduating. I, I would have been able to just graduate with my diploma and take over her mat leave. Oh, wow. So I did. So I graduated. So I had intention of actually doing a degree and transferring into at over to the UFC. I was at Mount Royal at the time. I just decided on a whim that I really didn't want to go to school anymore. And I had finished with my post-secondary education and this great opportunity for a mat leave coverage came out. So I did that. And that was in the HR group. So I started working in HR at that time. So that was maybe 2009-ish. I loved connecting with people. I loved supporting both leaders and employees at the same time. I had such a I don't know, like a real love and connection to people. I also really, I'm again, I'm a realist. So I loved HR for that. You couldn't solve everyone's problems, but you could help people. So that was how I came at it. But I will say HR is a very scary vocation. There's a lot of like power dynamics that happen with HR people. They're usually, or not usually, but can be uneducated. So the, a lot of the I'd say baby boomer HR people, if you're listening and you're a baby boomer HR person and you're well-educated, I'm very sorry. But there is a little bit of a perspective that it's like an admin assistant turned payroll person turned HR person. That's how that used to work. 
Now there's so much education and so many specialties that you can do in HR. But anywho, so I was working in the HR group. And unfortunately, there's always going to be that little bit of bureaucracy, a little bit of difficulty there. And I always looked at it as my mission to just be really supportive to both sides of the organization, employees and leadership. So that's kind of why I loved HR is I felt like you could be both if you did it right and you did it with love and did it from like a core value of just being truly doing the right thing and doing the realistic thing. So that was my role in HR. I climbed the leadership pole or whatever you want to call it, ladder, <laughs> pole, ladder. And I was much harder to climb. Yeah, pole. <laughs> it's harder than a pole. So I worked my way through our HR department and did a lot of different jobs in that role. And ultimately, I was in a middle leadership position when I had my first daughter. And I came back for maybe, I don't know, eight months and decided that I would move on into an entrepreneur role. Wow. So I had a corporate gig for 13 years and loved it and loved that company and just felt like I was doing really like meaningful work. And it came to a point where it was time for me to make a decision. My husband and I own a company together as well. And we had just purchased it from his parents. So it's their oh, wow. family business. So we had just put all of our eggs in that basket. And it was just that perfect precipice time of like, do I want to fully focus there? Or do I want to focus on my career in HR? So I decided to focus more on our entrepreneurial journey. And I went into a consulting role, an HR consulting role. That was really hard. And I had rose colored glasses big time. <laughs> And I ultimately from there decided that it was really too hard for me to do by myself. I was so used to having this super confident team and I knew like it would be hard to, without them. But I had this absolutely wonderful team of extremely smart, beautiful, wonderful people who had similar values. And I was alone. I was totally alone and I did not want that anymore. And I decided to diversify and go back to university weird like I was way too old to even consider going back to university but I did an adult program so that was fine <laughs> I actually was one of the youngest people in our class I was surprised but I went back to school and got an executive coaching certification from railroads university wow and so, what is executive coaching is it yes, different I than want to HR? talk about that yeah what mm -hmm. is it? that's a great question so very different HR is like the Essentially, the structure of keeping employees, leaders, the organization safe and structured around policies, procedures, the employment relationship, that's HR in a nutshell, coaching in a nutshell, which essentially is what I was doing a lot of in HR, really. But coaching is the idea of holding space for people to uncover their own unique genius and do good shit in the world with it. So that's the difference. HR is institutional, corporate rules, regulation. Coaching is hold the space for whatever is needed and people can do their kind of interesting vocations, whatever they are. Anyone can be coached. Any person is coachable. You don't have to be a leader. You don't have to be in a corporate environment. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to be anything. Anyone can be coached. And it is simply and beautifully the experience of being asked really good questions so that you can illuminate your own power and your own direction. You take your life into your own hands. 
I like to compare it to like mentorship. Mentorship is when you walk down the street and you're like, I need to find someone who's done it before and pick their brain. They'll tell me what they did and then I'll be able to do what they did slash make my own decisions about what I want to do. That's very like that's the most comparable thing to coaching, I think. It's not that, though. It's absolutely not that. They're under no circumstances as me as the coach. Am I telling you what to do? I don't know what to do. That is the best part about being a coach is I just walk around saying, I don't know what to do. I don't I'm not the (laughs) smart one here. You are. Yeah, you're the smart one. And I can hold the space and ask the really good questions so that you can figure out your own unique offering and what you can do. Anybody can benefit from that. Any person in the world could benefit from just being asked really authentic, curious questions as to how they can move the needle in their lives. Yeah, I was just going to say, it sounds like executive or not, it's not necessarily just a professional thing, but like everybody should just come with a little, feels like a wing woman or something, like a little coach to guide you through the world to make you the best version of yourself. Exactly, Carly. You just said it, like becoming the best version of yourself in a way that you're responsible for. It's not someone else telling you what to do. And the metaphor that I like to use with my clients is it's like we're walking in the dark together and I'm holding the flashlight so you can have both hands out to explore. So you're saying pointed here, pointed there. And I do. And then we illuminate what is there and I ask what it means to you and then you walk towards it. So it's not like me making everything bright or making yeah. everything seen it's just pointing it where you want me to i love that that's un- that's incredible yeah it's really a beautiful practice that i just I like the beauty of being an executive coach or a coach like i call myself a certified coach really because i work with executives i also work i don't explain a little bit of who i work with a little bit just to give the listeners an yeah. idea but really in the end of the day anybody can come to coaching and coaching can be navigated for any walk of life. For me personally, in my business, which is called Coaching by LA, I work with three primary target audience people. So if you don't fall in these audience, then I will find you someone who will be able to support you. But for me, it's corporate. So I support companies and their leadership in getting the best that they can get out of themselves. So this looks like one of two things usually, or maybe three things, but either a company-sponsored coaching. So a company will hire me to come and just literally be available for any leader at any time or any person even at any time just to noodle on something, be coached on something. It doesn't have to be a whole hour. It doesn't have to be. It's just like they pay for my time and I support whoever's there that needs support. So there's that. I also do what I would call company sponsored coaching, which is a company has a leader who needs support. So the company comes and asks me, I propose a pitch for them. We work together to co-create the experience and they get coached. So there's that. I also have an a la carte options that kind of feed from the HR background, which includes like 360 reviews and learning and development opportunities, leadership development opportunities. So I do facilitation and all of those kind of things. So that kind of fits all in that corporate bubble. The other group that I work with really primarily, I'll say, is entrepreneurs. And I am an entrepreneur. So this is like the me's out there who are working through their business and kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping for the best. That's what I do. 
and they need someone to walk with them in that experience and in that darkness. And that's typically who I work with, honestly. Like that's my biggest client base is entrepreneurs and they need the most support and deserve the most support. So I find that extremely fulfilling and exciting. And it's me. Like every problem they have, I've had. So I can really empathize (laughs) with what they're going through. And then the third bucket, which is probably the one that's most important to me, if I'm honest, is family leadership. So I work with leaders who run their families. So if you're a mom, dad, guardian of any type, you are a family leader. And there are specific strategies, clarity that you can bring out in your coaching experience that allows you to move through your family unit with more ease and grace or with whatever you're looking for. I've had many clients that are stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home dads who we talk about, like, how do we up-level our offering as mom and dad? How do we be the best mom and dad that we can be? And so that's a really beautiful niche type thing that I do. And it's all the same. It's all yeah. the same. Like it, it's exactly the same experience for every single person. It's just different content. And in the family leadership piece, and again, like I, another reason why it's so important to me is that I am a pregnancy and infant loss coach. So on the family leadership piece, I lump that supporting that group in the family coaching. So pregnancy and infant loss is underfunded, underrepresented, under talked about. And I am the type of person, as you can probably glean, that I lean towards what is uncomfortable in the effort to support the people who are actually going through those very difficult moments. And so my story around pregnancy and infant loss is interesting because I am a village member. I have not actually experienced pregnancy and infant loss personally. I call myself a secondhand griever. Because almost every single woman in my immediate circle and like acquaintance circle has had some sort of struggle with miscarriage, termination for medical reasons, infant loss, like a child who's passed away, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. It's terrible. It's probably one of, for me, as a village member, as a support person, it is one of the most terrifying and difficult grief that I've ever seen. and they're undersupported and it's stigmatized. And I find that to be really bad. That's terrible to me. I think and we need to speak more about it. Yeah. Do you know why it's so taboo where well, I think if we come from like our past generations, you just don't talk about it. You don't announce pregnancy before three months, just in case that does it just because you don't announce it doesn't take away your experience of losing it. And yeah. I think there does feel like a shift in people saying, no, we need to share this story. We need to talk about this. And so now all these people are coming out. It's not that more people are suffering pregnancy and infant loss. It's that we're talking about it. And the gap I see is that there's no support for it. Yeah, Why didn't that's... we talk about it? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. And I think I think the reason for and maybe there's others, but for me, I think it's because we're scared to talk about grief when it's the most horrifying grief that you could ever imagine, which is losing a child. I think what I perceive anyway is that people are afraid to catch grief like a cold. Mm. They don't lean towards it because they're worried that they're going to get it. The grief of losing a child is, it's indescribable. I don't know what it feels like. I don't. Just my 
peripheral village member grief is indescribable. So I can't, I can imagine what these parents go through. But I think it's about keeping the peace, keeping people sheltered from the pain so that they don't catch this pain. But my ethos around that is that we need to share that pain. The bereaved parents out there, they need to not, they need to just do whatever the f- they want to do. But village members, we need to lean in to those experiences because we don't catch grief. If anything, our biggest service that we can do to those who are grieving is ask good questions of them and be there for them and not be afraid of their grief, not be afraid of what they're going through because you're not going to catch it. And we get selfish. We get selfish. We're like, okay, that's happening to them. I'm just going to stay away from it. So it doesn't happen to me. Yeah. And I find that is just like the, that not only that the twofold problem. First fold is that you're not supporting the grieving person in your life at all. Second fold problem is you're actually keeping yourself away from healing your own trauma around grief by just not looking at in the mirror when something bad happens like losing a loved one. And when I and I do grief coaching in the sense that anyone going through grief is welcome to come to me for coaching, of course. But I'm and so it's my answer to that is I think we're afraid to catch it. Yeah. The second part, yeah, like it's it, and I think when we think about grief, we don't want more hard stuff in our lives. If it's not happening to us, we're like, oh good, it's not happening to us. Yeah. And it's a crass thing to say, but it's true. Like I'm And instead of thinking, I'm glad that this isn't happening to me, move toward it and say, I'm sorry this is happening to you. Yeah. And just do the things that they need done. I I share often like anecdotally what not to say and what to say, what to grieving people, to grieving parents. And it's like the number one thing that I like to impart, the number one wisdom I like to impart around this is do not say this was meant to be. Yeah. Do not insinuate in any way, in any person who's grieving, that this was just, this is, I guess this is just meant to be, like this is the universe's way or this is God's way or whatever. I guess it was meant to be like this. I guess they're in a better place. No. Yeah. No, I just, I can't really accept that as a person, like just a human being. I don't accept that. When I encounter a grieving parent, one of the first things I say is, I wish your baby was with you. They belong with you. This is not meant to be like this. And just seeing them in that truth and that pain is a beautiful offering that you can give. And even when someone loses a parent or loses anyone, you can really truly lean into that pain and say, I wish this wasn't this way for you. This is not this is not okay." Yeah, it's really validating. Like as somebody I just lost my dad last year. And a few people were like, he was too young. That shouldn't have happened. What a validating statement because Mm -hmm. it gives me somewhere to put what I'm feeling to be Mm -hmm. like, you're right. It should, you know, it rather than saying my condolences, I'm so sorry. That's also kind. And I know it comes from a place, but the people that kind of validate the injustice of it, it's really powerful. It is. Thank you for saying that because it totally is. That is what I hear from my clients and really friends who have gone through difficult losses is just seeing you, just being seen in that pain is a huge, a huge thing that you can do. And that's for anyone, not just coaches, but like anyone out there. If you are, you have someone in your life who's grieving, lean towards that. 
lean into it and be brave because what they're going through is thousand million times harder. I think another, I don't know, this is just Lindsay's hot take, but like another thing that I think is really important when people are grieving is don't ask them what you can do for them. Please just do something. Please just, whether that's like Uber eating a coffee over to their house or maybe you just. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Come and pick up their dog and go for a walk or always get consent from your grieving people, of course. I'm not just saying come bust into their house. <laughs> someone um, took my dog. <laughs> someone took my dog. They're going through shit right yeah. now. They you, Don't take their dog. So what I'm saying is don't ask for them to hold the burden of figuring out what they need. Yeah. It is the number one, or I think I said the other thing was the other one. Number two, like another really important thing here is by asking what you need, you put it back on them and they have enough going on. They have enough emotional labor that they need to do right now. Take some of that emotional labor on yourself. Yeah. And if you don't know what to do, then don't do anything and don't say anything. You don't need to just make yourself feel better by being like, tell me what you need. That is self-serving at best. And I would argue if you don't know what to do, ask somebody else. You don't yeah. ask the griever, but say, I really want to do something. Ask the next person. Absolutely. I really want to do something. How can I support them? Yes, absolutely. That is a wonderful thing to do. And I am all about saying I'm sorry for your loss. I I'd like I think there's a little bit of ah, that's a silly thing to say. And I am truly so infinitely sorry for the losses that I've been honored to know about. And there has to be more after that, I think. So maybe you just light a candle for that bereaved person. That is a beautiful gesture. Light a candle, say a prayer in whatever vocation or religion or belief that you have. Send them a photo of that candle and just say, this is for that person. That is such an honor that you're holding that person in your heart. And I guess another little tidbit here is be authentic. If this doesn't land for you, none of what I'm saying lands for you. Just don't do it. Yeah. Because being inauthentic and like, oh, checking the boxes of my grieving family member of I did it. I did it. Again, that falls into the self-serving. We need to abandon what we need. And support those who are going through this difficult time. And then go back and pick up what you have and deal with your own grief as well. Most people who are in the support process, and I struggle with this personally, that if I'm a support person for someone grieving, I need to compartmentalize my grief and deal with it as well. And that's not with the grieving person. That's with my own support system. So keep that in mind as well, that your griever who you're supporting is just has enough. And yeah. of course, there's times like I, my sister had to terminate her pregnancy for medical reasons. My niece was born at 13 weeks gestation. Her name's Holly. And I never got to meet her and I never got to hold her. She's a big part of my why. She's a big part of my why for doing this work. And I do share my grief with my sister because I'm her auntie. Like yeah. I'm that baby's auntie. 
by sharing my grief with her, it validates her own grief. But under no circumstances do I process that grief with my sister. Right. I'm going to go on one more tangent here. I know, I, like, I'm talking a lot. No, tangents are my favorite thing. <laughs> tangents are a thing. <laughs> that, that's what makes a podcast is tangent. Yeah. Support for grieving parents going through pregnancy and infant loss. We are so lucky in Calgary to have the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center. It is a trailblaze not-for-profit offering by a local woman or two local women here in Calgary, DT and Danielle. They are doing the good work of creating safe spaces for grieving family members or grieving mothers and fathers and grieving guardians of any kind to come together and grieve and heal and connect. And so I always take as much opportunity as I can to I'll send you the links and you can post it in the show notes. This is a great first resource for figuring out what your next thing to do is when you're experiencing this type of grief. They have a hotline. So you can call slash text to their hotline to get immediate support. If you're in a difficult situation, you can connect with a coach. So like a certified pregnancy and infant loss coach, you can connect with them or a therapist or a counselor. And they offer group work. They offer support groups. Like it is just such an amazing, an amazing organization that's doing the really hard work of trailblazing this support for this community. So if you are this person and you're like, oh my gosh, how do I get help? The Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support Center is definitely the first step. I always like to say, you could DM me. If you listen to this podcast and you're like, oh my God, like, someone is saying something that I need to hear DM me and I'll connect you to the right people or whatever the case may be I would love to take on that labor to make sure you're feeling supported and loved so don't hesitate if I'm the only name you remember out of this then just DM me and I will get you where you need to go that's amazing can you talk a bit about what makes a pregnancy and infant loss coach? Yeah, it's such a good question. But I am lucky that I was already a coach when I came into the idea of this work. So I'd already been a certified coach through through a accredited program through the International Coaching Federation. And that is the governing body of coaches. I heard that a DT was hosting, a DT and Danielle were hosting a pregnancy and infant loss coaching program. And because of my kind of passion to supporting individuals going through this in just in my personal life, I was like, oh, I would love to learn more about what kind of support I can really be. And so I, um, yeah, entered that program so that they are doing an intake. If you are interested in becoming a certified coach or a pregnancy and infant loss coach, they do that work. They certify people to be able to hold the space. And this is a very underserved community. So there's lots of people out there who need support. So the program is called Seeds of Growth. Seeds of Growth Coaching Academy, I believe is the name. And they have International Coaching Federation certification. And so when you go through their program, you become a certified coach. So you can do any life coaching afterward. But they have a very specific, I'm going to call it a model that is rooted in grief, rooted in the processing of grief. So that is a beautiful learning and knowledge that I gained out of that training is really looking at the coaching model. Like they take the international coaching model that is sanctioned. So there's competencies that we have to live up to or work through with our clients. So they take those competencies and then they layered grief on top of it. 
and made it palpable, made it understandable for those who are supporting grieving people to actually be able to ask the good questions and understand what parts of grief they're in and how you can support them through that grief. There's a, a model that Aditi and Danielle have created that allows for us as coaches to kind of walk with our clients in a meaningful way, a softer, more graceful way than what an executive coach would do. So right. for instance, when as an executive coach, trust me, my executive clients, my corporate clients, they bring their personal lives to the table it is every single time. But they're not coming to coaching to deal with their grief. Where right. in the pregnancy and infant loss world, you're absolutely coming to deal with grief. And one of the big differences that I think between like counseling and grief coaching is the idea of moving forward with your grief. Counseling isn't always about moving forward. Sometimes it's actually about moving backward. But coaching is the idea of moving forward so that you can move into your life in a way that is of service to you with your grief. Counseling is usually about unpacking and then moving forward. <laughs> so wow. there's, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. I see to all my clients, whether it's grief work or not, do you have a therapist? And if you do, if, if you need one, I have a list that I send to them. I personally have a therapist. I personally have a coach. I think both of those vocations work really well together and offer like the what therapists and counselors can do is offer healing modalities in the psyche. Coaches mm -hmm. don't have that ability to actually dig into the psyche, figure out what's going on there and apply healing. Almost everyone I talk to say coaching is very healing for them, but it's not the vocation that's doing that. It's their inner work that's doing that. Oh, wow. Whereas you, when you're working with a counselor or a therapist, their whole ethos is around healing. With coaching, it's about moving forward. So those are the yeah. two kind of differences. Lots of therapists take a moving forward approach in their way, but that's just the difference between them generally. And I think it's important to note because grieving, you're not going to get a grieving coach to get over it faster. I use quotations. But I'm really experiencing it firsthand. My dad dying unexpectedly It is like you're given this awkward, heavy box that you now have to bring with you everywhere you go. And you're still expected to go to work, go to the gym, feed people, feed, just yeah. live your life. You still have to move forward and you're never going to get rid of this box that you've been given. But you have to learn different ways of carrying it in order to like move through life. Yeah. Beautifully said. I kind of, I think it was like just a meme or a post on Instagram that kind of brought it to my like it clicked for me. But it I'm if you've seen it, it's like a picture of a ball of grief, and it's like grief doesn't get smaller. Your jar that you put it in gets bigger. Yeah, I was I was just thinking the same analogy. Somebody told me once that and some days the box or the jar is really small, and so the ball of grief is hitting every single mm -hmm. bit of that. And some days it's really big and you may only notice it a couple times, like watching that computer right. monitor with that. Yeah, that going. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm really passionate about being a good village member. That is where my grief work comes in. So I do work with clients who have ex experienced firsthand grief. Absolutely. I also work with people who want to be a better village member for their grieving partners, family members, whatever, because I am a grieving village member myself. That is my, what I want to give to this community is being a really good village member and leaning into the difficult parts, even though it's really hard for me too, 
I'm not in any way suggesting like, oh, I've mastered it. I can support anyone with ease and grace. Not at all. I'm muddling through it just like anyone else. I am experiencing my own grief just like anyone else. And you are too. And you can strategize or gain clarity for yourself as to how you might be a better support, how you might do the hard work of being a village member. It's not easy to be a good village member, but it's infinitely important, infinitely. And we need more people willing to lean into what is very hard. Like, of course, everyone's heard this, but like you're only guaranteed two things, death and taxes. (laughs) Death is inevitable in all of our paradigms, all of our relationships, all of like grief and like the secondhand grief that goes to like the loss of income, the loss of relationships. There's so many losses. We need to stop looking away from that. We need to look towards it so that we can heal it and work through it and really, truly support each other. That's where the real connections come from. That's where the real solid friendships, relationships are built is we're in this together. We're doing the hard stuff together. That's really what I, uh, that's why I took this training. That's why I do this work as a pregnancy and infant loss coach is because I am obsessed with being a better village member for those who are truly grieving and there's going to be a day where I'm really in the seat of the first hand griever and I have been before like I've lost people I've lost things I'm going to have a better expectation of my support system by being a better support system if listeners are hearing this and next time they are faced with a difficult greets of someone else lean in be a good village member Mm -hmm. I don't want to say it's like rewarding but it's essential and I think it is fulfilling. They're maybe not rewarding, but there's a fulfillment. You're, you feel like it's where you can put your effort. I think as a village member, when somebody close to you is grieving, you have this want to help and fill their cup. But if you don't know how, then you need these tools. Yeah. And totally fair. You don't know how because our whole society is built on looking away from the hard stuff. Yeah. That's why we don't know how. And that's why I don't know how. Like, I, I'm again, yeah. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I don't. But even just the willingness to turn towards what is difficult. But yeah, anywho, I'll get off that soapbox. But be a good village member. That's my invitation for listeners. And I think, too, I'll say from personal experiences, maybe don't assume they've got enough support. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter how connected you are to them. Never assume that the griever has enough support and you don't want to intrude i think there's a way to feel that out and see what's needed totally i love that and so yeah you also have a podcast yeah so can you talk a bit about like where did the podcast come into play and what's your talk about it what's your goal with it what do you do oh man i just love the podcast i just love the podcast i love the podcast yes oh thank you i love your podcast too obviously and i think it i if i'm being totally honest I love podcasts like that is something that I've I'm an audio processor personally so I love listening and I think being a coach being an HR person I love listening I love hearing people's stories and I'm just so honored to hear them to be honest yeah so there's that piece I just love the audio element when I opened my business when I was like okay I'm going to create coaching by LA there's huge barriers to people getting coaching huge and a lot of them are around money Coaching is very expensive. The industry itself is like riddled with snake oil salesmen that are like, all you have to do is pay 10 grand and you're going to have 
<laughs> you're going to have everything you yeah. ever needed, which is not true, first of all. Like, if someone is literally selling a package that's like, oh, you're going to be a millionaire after you do coaching with me. It's just not like it. Maybe it's mentorship. Like maybe they do have some sort of like secret that they're going to give you. I don't know. Yeah. But it's not coaching. Coaching is about allowing you to illuminate your own personal power to get what you really need. But how it connects to the podcast is there's such a, a, a large inaccessibility gap for people who really deserve and need coaching but can't afford it. I have to make money. I have to put food on my table. I have to be competitive in my in my industry. And I want to be accessible. I want people to get something from me that they don't have to pay for. And when I was noodling about that, I was like, what can I do for free? What can I really do for free? I was thinking about maybe doing like free trainings, but that's like always related to a funnel. So I was like, okay, I guess I could do that maybe. And then I was like, no, the podcast. I could do a podcast where I... This is com completely free. I'm actually moving to a partially subscription model. So this is like an ironic. <laughs> right. Um, it will still be partially free. I promise. Yeah. It'll oh, always it will always be accessible to a point for sure. And the podcast is what kind of came to me as that idea. So that was like part one. Part two is I talk a lot, as you can tell. And in the coaching practice, I don't talk a quarter of this much. But I'm very gregarious and outgoing and extroverted. And I wanted a way to get that outlet. I'm not having this much talk time with my clients. And I'm a gregarious person. So I yeah. need to get that energy out. And so there's those two pieces. And then the third piece of why I wanted to do the podcast is because I talk to people all the time. I meet the most absolutely inspiring, wonderful people. And so many times I'm like, God, I wish I could share you with the world. I just want everyone to know you because you're special. And that, all those three pieces together, I was like, got to do the pod. Got to yeah. do the podcast because the interviews that I do, some people are just like Joe Blows, just like you and I. And then some are like a little bit more, have a little bit more of a following or a little bit more of an experience in like the public realm and everything in between i interviewed my sister we talked about pregnancy and infant loss so when you yeah. google it and it comes up you can actually go through the motions of experiencing that conversation i also have like i did a boudoir photo session and i absolutely adored my the photographer her name's Arani oh. lisbeth i just had the most fantastic experience like it was so amazing and we just had the best conversation and i was totally naked it's just like, the most random thing ever but right after, I was like, I need you to come on the podcast because you're so special. The work you're doing here is so special and so amazing. Hearing people's unique genius and bringing it to others. I just think that is what it's all about. That's what that's how we get inspired. That's how we get motivated. That's how we can know we're not alone is by hearing these stories of others. And mm -hmm. your podcast does that so beautifully. Thank I have you. to say, it's just every episode is like a combination of sometimes really hard really terrible things and also the inspiration that goes into that and like how they come out the other side and yeah and I love that I just think that is what people need to hear and what is your podcast called yes positively charged with Lindsay Austin is my podcast so you can search anywhere you get your podcasts positively charged or Lindsay Austin and it will come up and hey like if you're listening to this and you're like oh I want to talk to her or you're like oh my god I cannot handle this energy <laughs> That's okay. But I would love to have 
you reach out to me. If you want to be on the podcast, you have something to say, I want to hear it. Hit me up in the DMs or the emails or whatever and come on my podcast. I would love it. I love it. Yeah, your podcast is really accessible and really every topic you bring just gives me something to think about. And mm-hmm. it's like coaching and therapy and it's like also talking with friends. It just feels in my head it serves a really big purpose for me. So thank you. And yeah, it's that's a great way to learn about coaching as well. And yeah, if you just want a fun listen, we do cover some like heavier topics, of course. Whatever is happening, we're talking about it. So we're not afraid. We're at positively charged. We're not afraid to talk about what is difficult. And we want to leave people feeling like they've learned something, like they're connected to someone. And that's my whole vibe. I love it. And we have, you and I talked on, you're going to be on my Patreon. Yes. Yeah. And I thought it was such an interesting topic. We talk about your journey becoming a yoga instructor mm-hmm. in a larger body that doesn't mm-hmm. maybe fit the mold of yeah. what you might think of when you think yoga teacher. Totally. Like you would not look at me and be like, oh, yeah, 500 hour registered yoga teacher. You wouldn't because your mind is built to look at yoga as like a westernized kind of description of like white, thin, lululemon, tight pants. But that isn't really true. Ah, You're just great. You're just great. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on. I know like your time is so valuable and I know you've got a lot going on personally, professionally, Mm -hmm. everything. So thank you for taking time to talk about everything that we talked about. Yes. And my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be in your bubble and to Ah. talk to your listeners and dear listeners, keep following along with, I did not sign up for this because damn, it's good. I don't even, I think maybe I'm biased, but I think this podcast has the best listeners. Obviously. And yeah, I just love them. So I'm so fortunate. And I hope that they got as much out of this as I did. And just getting a little glimpse of you into their lives is so great. Follow along. You can find me on the socials at Coaching by LA on Instagram. My website is www.coachingbyla.com. And yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn or wherever you find your social lists. You can look me up and follow connect with me i love people i love connecting so please don't hesitate amazing all right enjoy the rest of your friday thank you thank you so much for having me ah thank you people are going to be like ladies get off just go for coffee <laughs> we are going friendship. to yeah take this take this friendship, friendship onto the in real life yeah, <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for joining me on this episode i hope you found our conversation informative and entertaining If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to follow me on social media, share this podcast with your friends, and leave a review at ratethispodcast.com slash I did not sign up for this. Your support means the world to me. If you want more interviews, exclusive content, and ad-free episodes, join me over on the Patreon at patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this. Join me next week when I talk with Jake Schneider, host of the Learn Laugh Bark podcast and owner of On Dog Training Academy. We talk about traveling and competing internationally with dogs and the grief that comes with losing your companion. I hope you have a fantastic week and we'll talk soon.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co. 